test. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you this morning. Go stand together with me. I want to welcome those who will join us by the World Wide Web, wherever you are, uh, whatever country you're joining us from. Yeah, we want to welcome you this morning. It's a beautiful day in South Florida. And I want to give God thanks for this day. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So we give God thanks for each and every new day. Because there are new mercies for us available every day. So we give God thanks for the privilege to come into the house of the Lord, to gather together, and to worship him. And for those of you joining us from wherever you are in worship this morning, let's look to him in prayer and invite him to do something special for everyone on this day that we celebrate as Father's Day. Remember all our fathers, all dads, wherever they are. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this wonderful privilege. It is a privilege, God, to gather in your house, to worship you, to exalt you, to lift you up, and to magnify your name. We thank you for those that are here and those that have joined us from their homes or wherever they're joining us. We give you praise for this new day. We honor you. We thank you for your many benefits. We thank you for your blessings of this day. There'll never be another day like today. And we give you praise and we give you glory. And even as we celebrate Father's Day, we thank you for dads. Ask you to remember each one today. To stand with each one, to encourage, to strengthen, to uphold, to bless, to guide. We ask that your hand will be upon each father today. And Lord, as we worship you this morning, may we worship you in spirit and in truth. 
May you be pleased with our worship. We invite you, Lord, to do something special in every heart, in every life. Let no one be the same at the end of this service today. But the Spirit of God will have done a work of God in us, changing us, transforming us, and making us more like Christ. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. And all the glory and all the praise and all the honor will be yours. And in the end, Lord, our desire is that you will be glorified. Your people will be edified. And the devil be terrified. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen, Amen. Praise God. Let's welcome the worship team as they come to lead us this morning in our time of worship. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good morning. Are we glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. It is an honor and privilege. Hallelujah. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. We appreciate you. We celebrate you this morning. We thank God for you. He is worthy to be praised. We have the ultimate father, don't we? We have the ultimate father. And our lives belong to him. So we're going to worship this morning. Feel free to lift your hands, to clap, and to give him the praise he deserves. Hallelujah.
praise you with all of my strength. I will praise you with all of my life. You are Lord. I will praise you with all of my life. You are Lord. 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 Hallelujah. That he is Lord. Hallelujah. That he is in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the God who sees the beginning and the end and everything in between. And he is still in control, church. And for that, we can raise our hands to our Father God. We can lift our hands this morning unashamed, acknowledging that we know that we know that God is in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. Desire to see your 
Those are present in body, and those are watching us by the World Wide Web. We want to bow our heads, and we want to ask God to especially bless fathers today. So many fathers struggle with issues, the pressures of life, taking care of family, work. Some are jobless. Some are hurting. And yet they have to look strong and act strong. And we want to ask God to just minister in a very special way to fathers everywhere. So if you're a father, we want you to hone in today. This is especially for you. We're at, we're going to agree together and ask God to minister to your needs. And as soon as I'm finished, I'm going to invite a young man, Jonathan Williams, to come. And he has a special tribute to fathers today. Would you bow your heads and let's join together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our first father. And you created, Lord, the hierarchy in the homes. You put first a man in charge. And then you brought a woman and you blessed them with children. Today we honor you that you're the best father. We glorify you, God. We recognize your goodness. Your word says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. 
You're the greatest example of fatherhood. You're merciful and gracious. You're full of loving kindness. The scripture says, if you should count sin, none would make it. But there is forgiveness with you. So as we come this morning, we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, God, for your help and strength when we need it so much. We thank you for hope because of who you are. Today, Lord, we pray for fathers everywhere. We pray for, Lord, the one that you have put in charge of this church that has fathered so many. We ask your special blessing upon our pastors and upon our leaders, men who uh, mentor other young men and even young women. Lord, we thank you for their ministry to the body of Christ. And now we lift up every father, whether it's an adopted father, a father standing in proxy, or a natural or father. God, we pray for fathers everywhere. Today, we pray for encouragement of heart. We pray for strength. We pray for grace. When they don't feel like they can make it, may you undergird them with strength. We ask you, Lord, that you'd bless them and bless their families. We pray you'd supply the needs of every father, spiritual, those who have never turned their hearts to you. That Jesus today, as they hear your word, whether they tune in somewhere or attend church physically, that, Lord, they'd open their hearts and have the greatest transformation, receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And for those who know you and they've been sort of lukewarm, we're praying, Holy Spirit, that you'd stir their hearts today to a deeper walk with you, a deeper commitment that we leave a lasting legacy for their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren if you should tarry. We ask you to supply every need. Touch fathers who are sick today. May you heal God. Touch fathers who are in need of a job. May you open doors to them that no one can shut. We pray for peace and harmony in the homes. Fathers who feel disrespected, God, we pray that there will be forgiveness. And Lord, that they'll be honored in their home, not only today, but there will be that honor and respect for all fathers. We pray for the children that they would show love and respect for their fathers. Dear God, bless fathers everywhere today. And Lord, we'd not fail to remember those in the body of Christ from this church who are sick. We lift up the sick and the suffering to you. Remember Sister Olive, oh God. Remember those who are recuperating from surgery. We ask you, oh Lord, to remember Brother Chris Spirit in the hospital still. To remember Sister Mina and Sister Nell at home recuperating. Sister Marva. Lord, touch these. Touch our seniors who are languishing. We pray strength. We pray hope. We pray for those on the front line. Lord, we thank you for your protection and covering. We ask, oh God, that you'll be with them, whatever area, whether it's healthcare, in retail, in security, whatever area they work in, we pray for divine covering. And then, Lord, we will not cease to pray and ask your mercy that you'd send a cure, reveal the cure, reveal the cure, raise up your Daniel, a man of wisdom or a woman of wisdom, raise up your Joseph with wisdom and insight, God, that they may find a cure for this virus. And Lord, we bind up its spread in our community. Lord God, we pray that the people would be compliant and we do what it takes, Lord, to reduce its spread. Help us not to be reckless in our living. But oh Lord, may you harness us and touch our hearts where we feel like we shouldn't comply. God, 
hear our cry. Remember our rulers. Remember those who make laws, that they'll make just laws, that we may live quiet and peaceable lives. Remember families who, who hurt today because of injustices. We ask you to comfort and to give hope. Hear our cry. We pray for those who fight for justice in this nation and in other nations of the world. We pray for clarity and wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you would encourage them and give them boldness. Those who know the truth, those who know about righteousness and godliness, that they'd be bold and strong and speak the truth courageously and not back down. We pray against compromising spirit. We pray against faulty advice and counsel for those in authority. Hear our cry today, Lord. Hear our cry and have mercy upon our nation. We ask you to send forth the greatest revival that ever hit the shores of this nation and made like a wave spread to all the nations of the world. Hear our cry, O oh Lord, for only when you change hearts will there be lasting transformation. So, Father, as you touch fathers, Father of all the world, Father of all the nations, Father of all the people, would you touch hearts today and bring lasting transformation. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers as we commit this service to you and we ask your blessing upon everyone who would tune in, oh God, and everyone present here today. In Jesus' name, and everyone agrees, and we say, Amen. So let it be. Jonathan Williams, will you come at this time? Bring your mic. Come on, folks, give Jonathan a hand, you know. It's not kind of easy to go up there, kind of encouraging. Good morning, church. This poem is for um, all the fathers out there. What is a dad? A dad is a person who is loving and kind, and often he knows what you have on your mind. He's someone who listens, suggests, and defends. A dad can be one of your very best friends. He's proud of your triumphs, but when things go wrong, a dad can be patient and helpful and strong. In all that you do, a dad love plays a part. There's always a place for him deep in your heart. And each year that passes, you're even more glad, more grateful and proud just to call him your dad. Thank you, dad, for listening and caring, for giving and sharing, but especially for just being you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you, Jonathan. Amen. Uh, the men have a presentation for pastor, and the women have one too. So in the interest of social distancing, um, Brother Thames, unless you have something to say, you get a mic over there, get that mic, get it cleaned off, because we don't share mics. But um, I'm just going to go ahead and present, and then you can do that, okay? But get that mic, get it cleaned off. Social distancing. Pastor, would you come at this time? That's okay. You don't have to take off your mask if you want. You look kind of cute, matching mask. <laughs> come on, church. Come on. You can relax, smile. <laughs> anyway, Pastor, on behalf of the ladies of the church, we want to um, present this to you first. We appreciate you. We thank you for your leadership and your fatherhood to so many, the fatherless, the broken, the lost. And we ask God to bless you especially. 
And this one is from the church, church um, board, the church family. Um, there's a little surprise in there. We hope you'll enjoy. God bless you. We appreciate you for your leadership again and your courage. And uh, they want me to tell you especially, they appreciate you, how you have led during this COVID crisis. You never backed down. You kept shepherding the flock. You kept feeding the flock no matter what. And they especially want to bless you and let you know how much they appreciate and love you. So from virtual land, wherever you are, give a hand. From those present, we shout out to our pastor, God's man who fathers this church. Amen. Happy Father's Day. We love you. Brother Thames, give Brother Thames a hand. Yes, sir. We adore you. We look up to you for your guidance, your teaching, and your fatherhood. Sir, to me, as a man in this church, we appreciate the fact that you took time to nurture us. And, sir, with this COVID and the distance, we know, Lord God, is blessing you and encouraging you and give you the commitment to be here every Sunday. And we appreciate it. Happy Father's Day. And I color you father. Thanks. And I call you with love. Okay, uh, Reverend Rampasad, I was looking for you early and didn't see you. I do have a presentation. On behalf of the ladies of the church. Come on. Reverend Rampasad heads our men's ministry. And we just want to appreciate him for fathering a lot of the young men and the men. And you get, you get to keep on your mark. <laughs> so on behalf of the ladies of the church, we just want to say happy Father's Day. God bless you. We appreciate your work and ministry, your prayer, your dedication, and your faithfulness. Have a wonderful Father's Day and enjoy. <laughs> God bless you. And I have one more gift, a free giveaway from the ladies. And what I want to know today is which um, father in the church brought the most kids with you or whether they're young or older. Uh, how many of you have four kids with you today? Your own kids. You can't borrow anybody's kid. Anybody with two children? Father with two children. Ladies, if you're the father of those, you can't be in this. Sorry. <laughs> How about anybody with one child with you? Okay, so I have one, two. Who else has one child with you today? Pastor, you're out. You got a gift already. All right, here's what I have to do because I have three fathers with a child here. So which child traveled the furthest to be with their dad today? Tevin, how far did you come from? I am so sorry. I think a thousand and something beat you, 
all the way from California. Want to call um, Conrad Harding to come and give this to your dad. All the way from California just to be with his dad. Come on up. <laughs> you get to present it. You travel that far. What a treat. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Thank you for coming, Tevin. You made your dad's day. <laughs> Where's my photo, people? Sure. God bless you. So nice of you to come. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy your day with your dad. Just a minute. Wait, wait. We, you, we want to take picture. One picture, picture, picture. We're a picture church. That is so nice. God bless you. And I hope you all treat your fathers really nicely today. Not just today, but make sure you do it today. I turn back over to pastor. God bless you all. And ladies, thank you for giving generously. And if you want to, it's not too late. We still are going to get his gift. So you can still give if you didn't get a chance. You know how it is. <laughs> oh, good morning again. <laughs> Praise God. We're a family church, as you can see, for those of you watching us. And uh, we believe in the family. And we believe that God is building a big, big family here on earth. And you can be a part of that family. So we give him praise this morning. So thank you for your gift. Thank you for your words of of kindness and appreciation, and may the Lord bless you all for doing that. Praise God. Well, I want to read your pastor's scripture this morning. Um, so if you'll turn in your Bibles with me, um, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 1, and uh, read the scripture, and uh, then I'll... It's, we're doing Father's Day today. We're celebrating fathers, and... Uh, We'll have much to say about that. But I want to read from 1 Kings chapter 1 and uh, probably all the way to verse uh, 14. 1 Kings chapter 1, 1 to 14. Now I'm reading from the New King James Version so that you'll be able to follow with me. Now King David was old advancing years and they put covers on him but he could not get warm therefore his servant said to him let a young woman a virgin be sought for our lord the king and let her stand before the king and let her care for him and let her lie in your bosom that our lord the king may be warm so they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of israel and found the bishag the Shumanite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him, but the king did not know her. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He was also very good-looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok, the priest, Benaniah, the son of Jehoda. Nathan the prophet, Shemieh, Rei, and the mighty men who belonged to David 
were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fattened cattle by the stone of Zaheleth, which is by Enrogel. He also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaniah, the mighty man, or Solomon, his brother. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Ananijah, the son of Haggith, has become king? And David, our Lord, does not know it? Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Do you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me and shall sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? And while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went into the chamber of, to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shimonite was serving the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, What is your wish? And she said to him, My lord, you swore to the Lord God your you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly Solomon shall your son shall reign after me. And shall sit on my throne. So now look. Adonijah has become king. And now my lord the king. You do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle. And sheep in abundance. And has invited all the sons of the king. Abiathar the priest. And Job the command of the army. But Solomon your servant. He has not invited. As for you my lord O king. The eyes of all Israel are on you that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it will happen when my lord the king rests with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. We'll stop here for this time, here ended God's holy word. want to just this morning uh, make a couple of announcements as we sort of keep you abreast where we are. Um, we continue to have you register on, uh, for two more Sundays, and, and then that will be it. After for two more Sundays, we won't need you to register anymore because we are getting to understand how we fit. And uh, we see that we can fit very well. And uh, we still have spaces available, as you can see, you look around. And so wherever those blue uh, markers are is an indication that Individuals could be sitting there. And so we know that uh, we can sit much more than we have right now. So we are not going to register after the next two Sundays. You'll be able to just come to 8 or 11 as is the case that you wish. Also want to remind you that all our online uh, ministry continues. Um, the youth, Awana will suspend after 624. So in other words, it will be after this Wednesday. This Wednesday would be their last one of they're taking their summer break. And then they that, that's the children I wanna sorry. 
And then the youth on Thursday, the 625, will also take their summer break after this Thursday as well. So you want to remember that, that those online services will take their summer break beginning this week. So they'll have their last program on Wednesday of this week and Thursday, and then they'll take their summer break. But the Bible study continues, uh, continues on Tuesdays at 7.15, and uh, we're thankful for those that have joined us. We have people joining us from different countries, uh, so it's a wonderful thing. When we had Bible study here, uh, we wouldn't have had that number. Uh, last week, we had over 400 people joining us in our Bible study, and uh, so that's a good thing. And so we want to continue to our study of Ruth, and uh, there's so much things to learn from that little book and uh, we're going to be continuing to do that. And we're going to be dealing with relationships. You don't want to miss it. Uh, we're going to be touching on marriages and uh, courtships and all those different things. Because Ruth involves all of that in, in the book. And so you have a friend that uh, has some challenges. We'll talk about some of those things as we come to those points in the book of Ruth. So we've been having some. We had our first study. That was very good on this past Tuesday. So Friday, or Tuesday morning, prayer continues, and uh, the connection is still the same. Um, I think we sent a new connection out and, uh, two weeks ago, so you're continuing with the same connection now for Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. And then on Friday evening, we continue a prayer at, at 8 p.m. on Fridays for prayer and encourage you to join us for those times as well. Praise God. Also, we want to thank those of you who continue to give online. And uh, this morning, as you see, there are buckets in some other row at the end. If you'd like to leave your offering there as you go, you are welcome to. If not, you can continue to do so online. Um, we do have on our website, if you look at our website, there's a new, uh, new way to text giving. Uh, there's text giving available, and there's a new number on the website. So if you visit our website, you'll be able to see that new number where you can text give it. But just in case you may not, you may miss it, let me give you that number. It's 954-807-2558. And you text the word give to that number if you'd like to use text given. All right, I think those are the uh, critical announcements that I need to make. Um, also want to encourage you to recognize that when you do come, you may not be sitting in your regular seats, as you're noticing. Um, we may move you around because of where you need to sit so that we practice social distancing. So that may change. So those of you that have not yet come, when you come, you got to follow what the ushers are guiding you. How they guide you to sit is what you need to do. Um, and so we're thankful for those of you that are here this morning. And I know some of you are not in your usual place. Uh, some of you are, some of you are not. But uh, uh, that's the way it is uh, for the moment. We want to continue to pray for our nation and uh, pray for changes to come. We're in a season and in a time period uh, where there could be changes that would be positive. Uh, as you know, regarding all those protests that continue uh, several weeks now. The protests continue in different cities, uh, pushing for change. 
Um, and we are believing God that there will be a change. Believe in God if you celebrated Juneteenth, uh, maybe you didn't or if you did, uh, if you learned more about what it's all involved. And uh, as we learn the history here uh, as immigrants, we are learning more of the history and understanding what took place even when we were not here. Uh, but we thank God for the progress that has been made. And we believe in God for greater things to come. And so I want you to continue to pray that the changes that are being proposed, uh, positive changes, will be made. And that uh, laws that need to be passed will be passed. The Bible talks about, let's pray that, we may, that those who pass laws may pass laws so that we may live a just and peaceful and quiet life. That's what God wants for us. A peaceful and quiet life. And I'm sure you want that for yourself as well. For you and your families. And so let's continue to pray that this will, this will happen. Because that's what we need. Especially now in this country at this time. Alright. Having said all of that. Um, I'm going to get to our message of this morning. I read the passage of scripture for you. And I want to... My, I want to take my time to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers, fathers that are here, fathers that are watching us. Uh, we want to wish you a happy and blessed Father's Day. So here's the thing. When I did Mother's Day, I, I did a whole lot of stuff. So I'm going to ask us to give the fathers a big hand again. So come on, let's do that. I want to thank fathers. We give God bless the fathers and for what they're doing and what they mean to us. You know, uh, I don't know what your definition of a Father's Day is, um, but we're going to talk about a little boy. His definition of Father's Day is, this is how we describe Father's Day. He says, it's just like Mother's Day, except that you only don't spend as much. <laughs> I think that's basically true, isn't it? It's just like Father's Day, only that you don't spend as much. Um, just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much. You know, Mother's Day, uh, I don't know about you, but I remember going to the store uh, the, the, time, the Saturday before Mother's Day, and it was packed. Uh, there were lots of people buying a lot of gifts to moms, and, uh, you know, and moms have been very special, and so, but, you know, it's Illinois Bell um, apologized to its customers years ago because it, they, they were taking a, they were having a problem uh, getting the statistics that they need out to their customers, and the billing was coming out slowly. And one of the things they said was the problem is that there were so many more calls on Father's Day than Mother's Day, but the problem was there were a lot of charges. Because most of the call on Father's Day were collect calls. <laughs> there, were, there were lots of calls, but they were primarily collect calls. And so, uh, you know, uh, dad has to pay for it. Uh, mom doesn't pay for the calls, but dad gets to pay for the calls. Um, and that's what it is like. Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning as we talk about fathers and, and learn from someone who is a dad today. So, Father, we thank you that you are the best father there is. And 
You are the most exemplary father there ever is. And we can learn from you. And we thank you that you can be a father to everyone, to the earthly fatherless. You are ready to be their father. And so we thank you this morning that as we celebrate Father's Day, you know more than anyone else the importance of fathers in the life of the family. And so, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit will do the work of ministering through me and in me. And that your Holy Spirit will touch our hearts and would help us to recognize the importance of dad and to be able to put into practice the things that we can, especially as fathers. So, Lord, we ask you to bless your people today. And may you, in all of this, be glorified. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. You know, I don't know about you if you realize it, but mothers tend to get all the credit. But they also shoulder most of the blame for the happiness and health of their kids. Did you know that? Uh, they, get, they get a lot of credit, but they also get a lot of the blame. You know, you, it, whenever a child doesn't do right or something, your mother didn't teach you manners. You know, I hardly ever hear them say, your father never taught you manners. It was always, your mother never did this, or your mother never did that. And so mothers took a lot of blame for the health of their kids and happiness of their kids. But they also get the credit, too. Uh, you know, on, when you watch the football games and the players come to the camera, I don't hear them saying, hey, Dad. I hear them saying, hey, Mom. And uh, so mothers get a lot of the credit, but they also get a lot of the blame. You know, according to the Gallup poll in some, in some years ago, only 72% of Americans feel that they have shown enough appreciation to their fathers. Only 72%. Guess what? You don't need to worry because fathers think very differently than that. From the, from the statistics... What we find out is that 9 out of 10 fathers believe their families appreciate them enough. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Uh, 72%, less than three quarters, think they don't appreciate them enough. But yet on the father's point of view, 90% thinks, yeah, I'm appreciated enough. <laughs> but, and, then, and then here's the thing that is surprising. Surprisingly, the opposite is the mothers. More mothers believe that they're less appreciated than those who say they've appreciated their mothers. So, so we find that fathers think they are appreciated enough, even though people say they think they don't appreciate them as often. And then others believe that they appreciate their mothers a lot, and yet mothers say they don't think they're appreciated enough. So we got that going, that dynamic going there. Um, and so I don't know how that works, but, uh, but that's what's happening with the statistics. Now, are dads as essential as moms? When you look at the research, the short answer is emphatically yes. The research shows that love and care of fathers is equally important for the health and well-being of the child 
as mothers love. In fact, here's what they, this, the research says. Children are way better off, and that way is really way, uppercase way, are way better off when their relationship with their father is sensitive, secure, and supportive, and as close as a nurturing relationship. One of the biggest problems with divorce, we are told, is that when a father moves out, the father-child relationship frequently falters. If he stays in the game, the kids can cope better with the divorce. In general, what we find is that kids who have dads that are actively participating in their care and interact with them are a lot more likely to be smarter and more successful in school and work. In fact, kids with involved dads are better problem solver as toddlers. They have a higher IQ by age three. In fact, school-age children who have their dads actively involved are more likely to get A's and higher grade point averages. In fact, life, later in life, what we find is that children with those dads that are positively involved in their life have greater success in their careers and they end up earning more money. So, in other words, when fathers are involved in the children's life, there are many positive. In fact, it's they're happier. Children with dads involved in their lives are more satisfied with their lives overall. They have more friends and better relationships. They are happier and they have healthier mothers because it is said the greatest thing that a dad could do for his children is to love their mother. And then, of course, children with dad in their lives are less likely to get into trouble or otherwise engage in risky behavior. So positive father involvement protects kids, actually, from substance abuse in adolescence. Do fathers deserve the credit for all of that? Does that? Do they really have that impact? Yes, they do. And that is what this statistic tells us. And no matter how you, they look at it, no matter how they slice it, no matter, and they use their various variations, and the results are still the same. Dr. David... Popeno, professor of sociology at Rutgers University and co-director of the National Marriage Project, has given us somewhat of a good summary and overview of, this, of the importance of dad. And here's what he says. Fathers are far more than just adults in the home. Involved fathers, especially biological fathers, bring positive benefits to their children that no other person is as likely to bring. Did you hear that? That no other person is as likely to bring. They provide protection and economic support and male role models. They have a parenting style that is significantly different from that of a mother. And that difference is important in healthy child development. Now a lot of mothers here can testify to that. That fathers definitely have a different parenting style than mothers. I remember watching from here um, and looking into the mother's room 
And I saw a dad throwing the child up in the air, the baby, and catching it. You know, and catching the baby and the baby. And I know that you mothers, you're not going to do that. <laughs> In fact, when, when somebody saw it, they said, what? Are they crazy? Um, and so, uh, they have just a different parenting style. But what they're saying is that one of the most vital aspects of dad's contribution to the lives of the kids lie precisely in what Dr. Popeno calls his significantly different parenting style. Men and women are different. And as a result, mothers and fathers parent their children differently. Now what they're finding out is neither parenting style is adequate and in of itself. In other words, one is not better than the other. But taken together, they balance out each other and equip the, um, the upcoming generation to have a more healthy and well-rounded approach to life. So when you have the father's style and the mother's style working together in the way it is, it actually produces a better, well-rounded child. And one of the problems I have, I, I know, because I, 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 you know, I, in, in counseling families and just recently, uh, that was an issue with a couple. And it was about parenting style, I found out, when it came down to it. You know, they were having issues. When one dad wants to be firm here and disciplined, and mom wants to be, say, that's too harsh, and you need to give a break. <laughs> and, and dad wants to insist that the child needs to get this. And mom wants to say, no, you're antagonizing the child. And so you see, you get these, you get those differences there in parenting style, and you have the challenges. And so what ends up happening is that the parents start pitting against each other, and the child is scot-free. Um, and so children are very careful. You got to be careful because they can manipulate you. And they can manipulate your relationship and not make it what it ought to be. So we have to be very careful. So it is important then that you sit down together. And I, and I spoke to this couple and I, I was talking to the dad. And I said, you need, to, you need to really sit with your wife and decide how you're going to do the parenting. I mean, and this is their, both of them biological children. It gets worse and gets complicated when it is not one of the couple's child. When, that's, when it's not one of the couple's child, then parenting and discipline becomes a very complicated thing. And, uh, and of course, you know, the issue always comes up, well, if it, if it, because it's not your child, that's why you did that. And then, of course, you know, it may be so, it may not be so, but it may be perceived that way. And so the challenges are greater. So parenting has been, is a very significant thing. Parenting is a very critical thing. And parenting has caused a lot of issues among couples over the years and continue to do so and will continue to do so. It's just one of those things because why? Men's parenting styles are very different from mother's parenting styles. And so mothers and fathers parent differently. What you're learning, what we're hearing this morning, and hopefully we can benefit from that, is that both styles are important. And so what you need to find is the balance 
is to work on a balance. How do we get the balance in both? So you don't really, you don't want to have abuse. You know, we, we certainly don't want a child to be abused. And if one parent is overdoing it, then that parent needs to understand that that's not the way to go. Um, and so child abuse is not what we're after. Now, now here's the thing, though. Despite all the positive impact that fathers have on their children, according to 72% of the U.S. population, fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America. Fatherlessness. And you know, Father's Day is different when there's no father around. Let me give you two example, actual, actual examples of two individuals. Here's what one person says. A young man, he says, What do these days mean to children like me who have had to grow, grow up without one parent in their lives? Asked Louis Steptoe, who just graduated from high school. Instead, he celebrates what he calls Father Figure Day and honors his godfather, William Ford, who was always present. And so when Lewis graduated, it was his godfather and his godbrother that was there with him at his graduation. And so for him, he says, Father's Day is not important to me because my father is never there. But I celebrate Father Figure Day, he says. And then there is Kaylin Tobin of Rockville, Maryland. She met her father only once years ago and barely remembers him. Her sister, Ares, has a different father and sometimes gets gifts from him. But she doesn't have a good relationship with her father. I don't think of my dad as a father, Kaylin said. I don't think of him as anything. Can you imagine that? And so, Steptoe and Tobin are among millions of children across the United States who are growing up in a one-parent household without a father in their lives. Fatherlessness during childhood has become a major part of the American life due to divorce, and the rise of having children outside of marriage. Overwhelmingly, one, these one-parent households are led, of course, by women. There's an estimated 24.7 million children, one-third of children in the United States today, live absent their biological father. And there are millions more that have dads that are physically present, but emotionally absent. If it were classified as, if fatherness was classified as a disease, it would be an epidemic worth attention as a national emergency. You know, of students grades 1 to 12, 39% live in homes absent their biological fathers. For black children, 57.6%. Hispanic, 31.2%, and white, 20.7%. As supported by the research, children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, 
become involved in drug and alcohol abuse, drop out of school, and suffer from health and emotional problems. In fact, boys are more commonly likely to become involved in crime, and girls are more likely to become pregnant as teens. Fathers, are you listening? It is very clear that fathers are wanted. Fathers are needed. Fathers are critical in the lives of children. Having said all of that this morning, I want us to go on, as we begin to look, as we continue to look at David, I want to look at David in a new light this morning. David as a father. Of all the great patriarchs of the Old Testament, David is among the greatest. He was a shepherd, armor bearer and harp player for King Saul. He was a soldier, a king, a prophet of Jehovah, a husband, and a father. Now while all of those roles have their distinct challenges, there was nothing more challenging to David than being a dad. As a parent, David showed some traits that are worthy of imitation, but he also demonstrated serious flaws that we could do well to avoid. I want to make some observations this morning. We'll look first of all at those mistakes that David made as a dad. And the first one is that we read it in the passage that was read this morning in 1 Kings chapter 1. David did not properly restrain or discipline his sons. Passivity was a problem for David. You know, in another passage in 2 Samuel, it says that David's son, he had many of them, ten sons, apart from the daughters that he had. David's son Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. Now the king was very angry when, when that happened. But you know, he just got angry. He took no action. And so people may, someone asked, was he reluctant to do anything because of his own sexual sin with Bathsheba? You know, he, took, he did nothing. And so, Abnon, two years later, David's son Absalom, who was Tamar's full brother, David had several wives, I think they were probably about eight or nine, takes matters into his own hands and he killed his brother Amnon for raping his sister Tamar in retaliation. Do you know what happened? Once again, David declines to respond to the actions of his sons. Absalom flees to Geshur and he runs away, not from David, but he's concerned that others may try to harm him, other brothers, because of what he did. And so neither does he punishes him, but he also says that he should not come back home to the royal city. Later on, as I read this morning, we read of another son. When David was older, Adonijah tried to steal the father's throne. And he says, I'll be king. And he gathered men, and he had men, 50 men, running in front of him. 
and he crowned himself king and he got Joab the command of the army to be on his side and he, and he got the priests, uh, one of the Zadok to be on his side and they were together and they made him king. And the Bible says, here's what the Bible says, in parenthesis, the Bible put this in parenthesis. He says, and his father, which is David, had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? Can you imagine the father never corrected his son at any time? No, at no time David ever corrected this son. And guess what? And you know, here's what is interesting. Because the Bible puts this in parenthesis right after saying that. Here's what it says. He says this about Adonijah. He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. I got to tell you that sometimes the Bible didn't put that there for just so. His good looks, because he was very handsome, affected the way he treated him. I got to tell you, you know, um, some people can tell you. Uh, in, in families, I've heard it, stories. That even in families, you have a parent saying and calling, and I know this lady, she's probably now 60, and uh, she will tell you when she was growing up, when she would walk in her town, they would say, is that Miss so-and-so ugly daughter? And that's how they referred to her. They didn't refer to her by her name. You know, people treat people differently based on how they look. There's no doubt that handsome and pretty ladies get off with a lot of stuff more than others. Now, I don't know about, I don't know if I want to swell somebody's head, but I noticed that whenever I had taken Brian around with me, and I went into any store. They're always giving him stuff. I remember. Wherever I went. And he was with me. They get, they, oh, little boy, he wants something. They, everybody was giving him something. And they gave him. And um, I noticed that when he goes to buy food. At a certain place where they share it out. And they see him. I got to tell you, they pile it in. People treat you differently. And so here, unfortunately, David got caught up in all of this too. The Bible didn't put that he was very handsome in the same part, part that he says, and he never said anything to him at any time. And then it says he was very handsome. The Bible didn't tell us that for just for the sake of filling up space. It told us that because it wants us to know that that had some impact on how David treated Adonijah. Now I got to tell you, Absalom was supposed to be very handsome. So if Adonijah was more handsome than, than Absalom, I don't know. I got to tell you. He was some face man. But you can't allow that to influence the way you treat your child. 
Tolerance and lack of discipline helped corrupt David's family. Now the antidote for passivity is loving discipline and loving correction. You know, love does not, love that does not correct or discipline is not love. The Bible says, whom the Father loveth, he what? Chastens. And he says, if you, don't, if you don't get chastened by the Lord, guess what it says? You're a bastard. You're not even a legitimate one. And so, if you don't discipline or correct, that's called indifference. And one of the roles of parent is to pass along spiritual and moral leadership. We need to correct the wrongs and teach our children what is right, what is proper behavior, and what is not acceptable. There should be consequences for their actions. And you need to follow through on the consequences. If you want your family to understand that you don't care about them, then don't do anything. Be passive and indifferent. You know, I, I, I know, I, I, I heard, I remember that um, a child, this, no, it's a grown man now. And again, he's probably, he's probably early 60s. Can you imagine? And I'm hearing this. And he's saying, he said, his parents never bothered where he was or what he did. And he did things just for them to say something to him. And they never did. Can you imagine raising a child and you're never correcting the child, never saying anything, don't know where the child is, don't care where the child is? And that's what happened to this man. And he grew up, and he's very resentful of it, of course, because his other siblings were disciplined. They just didn't discipline him. And so that was a problem. And it was very obvious. And so we need to recognize that there are consequences that should follow the actions. If you want your kids to learn right from wrong, there should be consequences to their actions. And if they do, if they, because if they do something dumb like shooting off a BB gun inside the house, you got to tell them it's going to break things. And if they do that, you have to follow through with the consequences. Now, one of the things that I've heard is that some parents are afraid to dole out consequences. You know why? They say because they don't want their child to hate them. You know, one of the things is that uh, children will manipulate you. And one of the things they will say to you, which they'll say, you are a terrible parent, or you're the worst mother, because you're putting your foot down. Because you're, you're, making, you're, 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 you're falling through on the action. They want to say you're the worst mother. You're not the worst mother. You're not the worst father for doing it either. You need to keep your ground. Now, you know, and then I've heard another person said, well, you know, I, my child is my friend. Your child is not your friend. It may sound cute, but it is not appropriate. Your child is your child. And your child is not your body. You don't, and it will influence the way you react, react to your child. If your child is your friend, then you're going to find that sometimes you're not going to take the steps that you need to take. Your child needs to be your child. Does it mean that you don't have a good relationship with your child? Of course you have a good one. Does it mean you don't have a nice, warm relationship with your child? Yes, you can. And yes, you need to. But your child, you don't try to make your child your friend. Your child is not your friend. And so we have to be careful because I have seen that come back and bite others. 
where they have treated, tried to make their child their friend, and uh, one person their best friend. And I've always thought about it. I said their wife should be their best friend. And yet they refer to their child as their best friend. Not a good thing. And so, I don't know where you stand, but I believe that that's what we should do. You know, Josh McDowell always said that we need rules, but we need rules with relationship. He says rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And so that's why the relationship needs to be established. And then you can effect and evoke the rules. The relationship holding together the family is the key. If your son or daughter knows that loving correction, not abuse, is, it's all about modifying behavior because you love them and care for them, it's going to make all the difference. And so David was a very passive father. And he didn't correct his son when he should. And you're going to see that that passivity is going to come back and bite him. Because the second thing we saw that David did that was a problem was that David showed favoritism to one of his sons. You remember Jacob who showed favoritism to whom? Joseph. Well, David did the same thing. Now this time, it was to Absalom. David showed favoritism to Absalom. There was no doubt that we could see that Absalom was daddy's boy. And you know what? David had endured the pain of having a son turn against him. And do you want to guess which son turned against David? That's right. The very one that David loved so much. You'll remember the story in the Bible where, and if you don't know it, I'll tell you that at one point, Absalom decided that he wanted to be king instead of his father. And so what he did was he stayed at the gates of the city. And when the people came to the gate to look to David for advice from the king, he would stop them and he would say to them, if I were king, I would make you right. I mean, this, I think you're right. I think what you're saying is good. And he would tell that to everybody. And the Bible says he won the hearts of the people. And so one day Absalom, having thought that by now he had won a lot of the hearts of the people, declared himself king. And he started, he had so many people on his side. And the celebration of him being king was so great that when the news got to David, imagine David is fleeing and is leaving the throne and is rushing out of Jerusalem. And in fact, David is running and the Bible talks about him being barefooted. David is fleeing from his son Absalom, the one that he favored so much. You see, Absalom's bitterness because of his, the death of his sister had taken root as well. Because you see, at one point, David, he didn't come, David would not see him when he came, when he came back from where he had run to, he, had fl he fled because of killing his sister. And then he came back to Jerusalem, but David would not see him. And that resentment built up. 
and he decided he was going to take become king. And the fact of the matter is that David had to flee. David fled into the wilderness, and he had some of his army with him. And Absalom started a civil war, a war against his father to take over the throne. And Absalom was chasing his father to kill him, the one that he had favored so much. And the Bible tells us that in all of this, when Absalom was chasing his father to kill him in the wilderness, because he had these long, beautiful flowing hair, we're told, as he was riding his horse and the hair was in the wind, it got caught in, a, in one of the branches. And the hair got entangled in the branch. And so the horse continued and he kept dangling. Because his hair was so much that it wrapped around the branches and held him up there. And when Joab saw him, even though David... Here comes David again, told, said to, to, Joab, to Joab, his son, his, his army commander, if you ever run into the boy, don't kill him. Well, when Joab saw him, Joab said, oh no. He threw that spear right through him and he killed him. And when news got to David that Absalom was dead, the Bible says David went to the back. He now could go back to the palace. And David was mourning and he was mourning for Absalom. And all he could say is, oh, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, my son, Absalom, oh, Absalom. And David actually says, I wish I would have died in, in, instead of you. And Job came to him and said, do you know what you're doing? You are mourning for your, the death of your son and this army that is out there that risked their life for you are wondering that, that you didn't think anything of them. They were trying to fight against your son who was trying to kill you and use your son is dead. And instead of thanking them, you're mourning the death of your son. He says, if you don't do something now, you will not have the people on your side again ever after. David had to wake up and go out and speak to the army. See, his favoritism had taken him too far. It has gotten the better of him. And so there were some of the flaws about David as a dad. That's the negative side. But is there a positive side? Yes, there is. I want to end with a positive side. On the positive side, we find that number one, David showed interest in his son Solomon's life. If you'll recall that David was the one who came up with a thought as he was in his palace. He thought about it and said, I'm, looking, I'm living in this beautiful palace. And God's ark is in a, is in a tent. I need to build God a beautiful house. I need to give that beautiful temple. And he had that thought. And the Lord heard him and saw what was in his heart. And he sent the prophet Nathan to tell him, do whatever you, you need to do, but you, I won't let you build it. I'm going to let your son build it. 
because you have too much blood on your hands. Now, you know, David could have gotten upset and vexed about that. In, and because it was his idea, his thought, he could have said, you know, and he could have sulked, he could have, done a, could have reacted any number of ways. But you know what? David got behind the project to see the success of his son. That was a positive thing. He got behind the project and he made sure that he secured a lot of the materials. He made sure he secured all the things that Solomon will need because he was a young man. And David, with his experience, gathered many things for the building of the temple so that Solomon would be successful in the task of building the temple. And then the second thing we see that David did as a, that was a good as a father is that he gave Solomon godly counsel. He gave Solomon godly counsel. Before he died, David gave wonderful advice and exhortation to his son Solomon. He says, as his death approached, David said to Solomon, Be thou strong therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest. And so David gave Solomon godly advice. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure that you walk with God. I want you to make sure that you follow the laws of God and the commandments of God. Because if you do that, my son, you are going to prosper. And so David gave godly counsel to his son, which is a great thing to do. is to encourage your children to live godly lives and to show them the importance of this. And so David did that. And I don't think there's anything more important that one could express to your children than to give them godly advice. And then thirdly, David wanted to leave a legacy of justice and righteousness. And so he imparted this to his son. And I don't know if you read the scripture, but in 1 Kings, he says to them, as he dies, as he's getting to the point where he knows he's going to die. He says, there's one more thing. Not just the temple, but there's one more thing. He says, you remember Job, my commander. He did wrong. He killed two army commanders. And he says to his son Solomon, don't let him be go innocent. Do with him what you think best. Don't let him grow old and go to his grave in peace. David says, there should be justice. And then he says to him further, be kind to the sons of Barzillia. He says, that's a family I needed to treat well. They've been, you be kind to them. Make them permanent guests, David said to Solomon, at your table. For they took care of me. When I fled from your brother Absalom. David remembered the kindness and he passed that on to his son. And he wanted his son to, reflect, to continue to treat these families with kindness. Because they had been good to him. And then he says. For justice he says remember Shimei. I don't know if you know the story well. But when David was fleeing from his son Absalom. Shimei came out. Shimei was a relative of Saul. And because David had replaced Saul as king, Shimei never did accept it. Even though that was God's ordained plan. 
Shimei came out and when he saw David running from Absalom, he was rejoiced and he picked up dust and was throwing dust at David and cursing him and taking dust and throwing at David and cursing him as he walked along. And David's men says, should we kill him? And David says, no, let him curse me. Because the more he cursed me, maybe the more God will bless me. I won't kill him. When David was returning, when Absalom was dead, guess who ran out to meet him? Shimei and said, oh my Lord, I'm so glad you're back. And David said, go home. I won't kill you. And then he says to, then he says to Solomon, you'll know what to do. You're a wise man. You know how to take care of him. And so what Solomon actually did, what Solomon actually did was, Solomon told Shimei, he says, go home, but you must never leave Jerusalem. The day that you leave Jerusalem, you will die. And Shimei says, thank you. That's no problem. And then a couple of years later, some of his laborers ran away. You know, when you touch the money, you can always get to somebody when it's about money. Isn't it amazing how people change? How things change? So his laborers ran away. A couple of his laborers ran away. And Shimei saddled his donkey. And he ran off out of Jerusalem, rode out of Jerusalem to go get his his, 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 his laborers, and he went to the city, and then he came back with them, and the word came to Solomon. Shimei had gone out of the city to bring his, his laborers and brought them back, and David just sent his men and says, take care of him. And they did. You see, he was teaching him something. So David says, I can't kill him because I promised that I wouldn't kill him. But you can take care of him because he deserved, justice needs to be served. I want to close with a story about a dad who is exemplary. It's a true story. On December 7, 1988, an earthquake devastated the northwestern section of Armenia, killing an estimated 25,000 persons in one small town. Directly after the earthquake, a father rushed to his son's school only to find that the school had been flattened and there was absolutely no sign of life. I remember seeing it on television. But he had no thought of turning back. He had often told his son, no matter what, I will always be there for you when you need me. And though the possibility of anyone surviving this devastating earthquake appeared hopeless, he began feverishly removing the rubble from where he believed his son's classroom had been. Other saddened parents only stood by and cried hopelessly because to them, no one could survive. They only said, oh, my son and my daughter. 
And some actually told the father to go home that there was no chance that any of the pupils could be alive. To which the loving father replied, I made my son a promise that I'd be there for him anytime he needed me. I must continue to dig. Courageously, he proceeded alone. No one volunteered to help him because they thought it was hopeless. He simply had to know, he said, he simply had to know for himself, I need to know if my boy is alive or he's dead. With strength and endurance beyond himself, the faithful, loving father continued to dig. He dug for eight hours. He continued for 12 hours. He continued for 24 hours. He continued for 36 hours. And then in the 38th hour, as he heaved away a heavy piece of rubble, he heard voices from a tiny hole under his feet. Armand! He screamed. A child voice responded, Dad, it's me! Then I, I told the other kids not to worry. I told them that you were alive. I told them if you were alive, you would save me. And when you saved me, they'd be saved. You promised, Ahmad said, you would always be there for me. In fact, the man's sons and 13 other kids were saved. Because a father's love would not give up even when the situation was hopeless. The, the child believed that the father would keep his promise and be there for him, like he said, no matter what. And he told the other kids, stick with me. If my father is ever alive, he's going to come and get us. And the father never gave up on finding his son. Imagine the other 13 kids, their parents. They had given up. They had not even helped to remove the rubble. This one man trying to get to his son had saved so many lives. Can I say to you this morning that that's just like our Heavenly Father who did not give up on us when we sinned. Hallelujah. But he came to earth as like one of us, paid the price for our freedom from the consequences of sin by giving his life in exchange for ours, was raised from the dead and thus rescued all who believed in him from going to an eternal damnation. And one day, he will return to take us to be with him forever. Nothing shall be able to separate us from our Heavenly Father. The love of God is so strong. And so even for those this morning that are fatherless, you may not have an earthly father, or you may not have known your earthly father, or you may still not know your earthly father, you may not have had a great relationship with your earthly father. I want to introduce you to a heavenly father that is gentle, that is gracious, that is loving kindness, as the Bible says, is better than life. I want to introduce you to a loving father that will be there for you, that no matter what, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That no matter what, 
he will be there for you. In fact, as I just said, he's given his life already for you. He's paid the price for your sins so that you and I can go free. That's a father. For those of you who don't have a heavenly father this morning that you could look up to. For those of you this morning that are saying, I don't have a father, pastor, that works for me. I don't even know a father. Well, I want to introduce you to our heavenly father. You can arise and come to your father this morning. He's waiting like the father with the prodigal son with open arms to welcome you in. Let's give him praise this morning for the wonderful loving father we have. And so you can have a happy Father's Day because there is a great big heavenly daddy that loves you unconditionally. Praise God this morning. Praise God this morning. For such a father as that. Let's look to him in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are this morning. We thank you that there is none like you. You are the best father there is. We thank you for fathers everywhere today. There are many good fathers. There are many fathers struggling. There are many fathers wanting to do better. I pray today that they would recognize it's not too late. It's never too late to make the changes. You'll always be a parent for life. And so even today, you can make right if you need to make right. Even today, you can learn from the positive things that needs to be done as a dad. You can learn to avoid the negative thing, mistakes that David made. But you can also learn to adopt the positive things that he did. So you can be a father that will leave a legacy. Bless fathers everywhere today, God. Encourage those that are discouraged. Remember that one today that feels like he wasn't, a, that he's blown it. May you encourage and may you recognize that he can make a change. He can make a difference. He can start anew today. He can make a step. For that one that doesn't have a father and doesn't know the father, but will embrace you as a heavenly Father. For those like the young man in the story we read about that celebrate Father Figure Day, maybe there is a Father Figure that they have and not so much a biological Father that is there. But may they appreciate that Father Figure today. May they say a kind word or encourage or Stand with. Let that father know how important they have been in their lives. We thank you for what you're doing. And I pray today that if someone doesn't know you as Heavenly Father, 
They may recognize you as their creator, but they don't know you as a father. May they come to know you through Jesus Christ. May they accept you for what you've done for them by dying on the cross, by shedding your blood, by giving your life in exchange for theirs. May they receive life on this Father's Day. May they be like the prodigal son who says, I will arise and go to my Father, your Heavenly Father. He's waiting to welcome you home. We give you thanks and praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to shout out a happy birthday to some people today. Sister Doreen Foster and Sister Eunice Williams. You're having a birthday this week. Tracy. Tracy is today. All of these are today. Tracy McDonald and Sandra Hamilton. Happy birthday to all. Just give them a big hand. Happy birthday to you all. Enjoy your day and uh, blessings from your Heavenly Father to you. I know he's been kind and he's been good to you. You have a blessed, happy Father's Day. Happy birthday on this Father's Day. Well, I, I think that we are going to give you all the announcements. and We've said what we need to say. I want to continue to encourage you. Continue to do what you need to do. Um, practice social distancing as you are out there in the week. Continue to wear your mask. Don't follow the others. We're going without their mask. Wear your mask as you go out. Practice social distancing. Keep washing those hands. Uh, we know in Florida there's a spike. But uh, you do the right thing, you'll be all right. And your Heavenly Father will watch over you. Amen. It's good to see you. Maybe you want to turn around and just say hi to somebody that you see. Wave at them. Say hi. Good time to say that. Because you're not going to be able to congregate outside. <laughs> so look around and say hi to somebody. Give you a couple minutes to say hi. Give them a virtual wave. <laughs> and a virtual hello. And you can give, they give virtual hugs too. <laughs> you can give virtual hugs too, you know. Uh, it's a new day. <laughs> Praise God. We give God thanks to each and every one of you. Thank God for keeping you, watching over you, and uh, as we continue. So let's all stand together. Those of you at home, stand with us. I know you have your coffee and you're sitting by there, but you can stand right where you are. Join us. Praise God. If you lift your hands, I'll pronounce the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. We want to see you on Tuesday morning prayer and
Tuesday evening Bible study. God bless. Happy Father's Day again to all the dads. Thank you.